Welcome back to Desert Rain Community Radio, Dispatches from the Burge. Today, David Morrison and I um, break down this um, idea of seeing. The name of today's episode is The Consequences of Seeing um, and how it uh, it can impact our lives. We start off with um, going over the uh, gospel story that was read a few weeks back in Lent about the man uh, having the mud put into his eyes by Jesus and being able to see again. Um, and we that conversation eventually gets us to Annie Dillard and um, her book that uh, talks about, or part of her book that talks about um, people that are blind and had some surgery and able to see, but they had to learn to see. Her experience with walking through the forest and having an experience and we, we delve into that but before we get into that thank you to Danny West he does all the editing and sound engineering thank you to Jacob Jacob Nedia at Monk Drums that's what you hear in the background the ruined.com is a place to go if you want to learn more about Desert Rain Community drcrpod.com is the place to go if you would like to find other episodes of this podcast um, or wherever you found this particular episode, they should all be there as well. Dreamwalkerway.com is a place to go for David's book, Desolate Beauty, the book of light and shadow, as well as we have a translation, an American Sign Language translation of that book on YouTube. If you uh, go to YouTube and search Dreamwalker, one word, way as the second word, and you will be able to see that there. If you enjoy what you're hearing, please tell a friend. Word of mouth and social media really helps us. We appreciate you, and let's get into it. Welcome to Desert Rain Community Radio, Mr. David Morrison. Good afternoon, sir. Good afternoon, sir. Um, Dispatches from The Verge. Today we are talking about, so this will be released in, damn, in April. Wow. (laughs) We will be talking about this idea of the consequences of seeing. Yeah. Just because we like the phrase. (laughs) We get, this is how we make our episodes. We come up with a nifty title and then hope we can talk fill an hour with that. Exactly. <laughs> and I got the title from actually an 80s song called The Politics of Dancing, which go. I don't remember the band. One of those obscure 80s bands. The Consequences of Dancing? The Politics of Dancing. Politics and of then dancing. I got, yeah, The Consequences of Seeing. Well, uh, one of the interesting things, people don't know, it's a little... I did I did my own research on this one. So... <laughs> Stevie Wonder learned that Ray Charles was such a great pianist because he was blind. So Stevie Wonder has then pretended that he's been blind. His oh, entire I thought you were going to say he went in his backyard when he was 12 years old and gouged his eyes <laughs> no, out no. so that he could truly he's, be blind. No, no, no. He just has pretended to be blind all these years. It's a small price to pay for <laughs> songs in the key of life. <laughs> Dude, this, the politics of dancing, it, the song is by Reflex. Reflex, okay. Spelled R E. Dash F L E S. Yeah, because we were like that in <laughs> <Yeah>. the 80s. <laughs> it's an 80s thing. And the uh the album was called Atomic Blonde. Wow, okay. <laughs> the politics of dancing. Oh, it's from a movie. The so maybe the movie was called Atomic Feeling Blonde. Feeling good. So. They had that that new wave, the the second new wave sound where they lower their voices <laughs> low as they can don't you forget about me so if, if anyone is if anyone loves the 80s google this because the uh, album cover is is straight out of the 80s it's beautiful. <laughs> um so actually the d- conversation you and i were having or it wasn't really a conversation on sunday uh well like let's just start there the gospel reading on sunday is kind of how we yeah, we so here. we're in, you know, we're in the, for those of you who count such things, the fourth Sunday of Lent, year A, which goes through the Gospel of John, uh, 
and it was the the healing of the blind man. Very long passage. Uh, it's kind of humorous because it, you know, they they don't recognize the guy. Like, who's this guy? <laughs> who's yeah, this, who's this effing guy? <laughs> exactly. So they get his parents. Uh, anyway, well, let me go back. So so Jesus is walking along. Sees a guy born for, uh, born blind. He's an adult. He's by the uh, one of the pools begging. Uh, the, it was the Gentile pool, and I forget the name of it, Bethsaida. And so he's there, and he and he spits on the ground. So that's the funny part, first of right. all. So Jesus spits on the ground, makes mud. Uh, and the guy would have known because you know what it sounds like when someone spits <laughs> yeah. on the ground. <laughs> yeah, hawking God. a see hawking a loogie what's, on me. What's going on here? So he hawks a loogie, a divine loogie, if you will, and makes some mud and and makes mud pies and slaps it on the guy's eyes, which some have speculated that the guy had no eyeballs. Uh, that's why this miracle is so salient. The details of it are more so than yeah, don't other let, gospel readings. Don't let the facts get in, in the way of a good story. Yeah. If he regroup so. eyeballs. That's that's a much better miracle. <laughs> and Well, the speculation is that's why people didn't recognize him. Oh, I see. Right? Because they saw a guy with either bandages over the sockets mm. or... Maybe, I don't know, back then, maybe they gave you hard-boiled eggs. <laughs> Sorry. Well, that's why on the internet, when they want to obscure someone, they just put a black box over their eyes. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's really going to work. Anyways. My favorite is on a show called Reservation Dogs, and they, whenever they show owls because of certain Native American mm, cultures, yep, 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 yep. so they blur out the, the owl's eyes so that you don't see them. That's awesome. It's like the best ever. That is actually the best. Yeah, it's a show everyone should watch. It's, it's the greatest show on TV. Anyway, um, so he makes the mud cakes, yeah, and he and then tells the guy to go wash it off in another pool, which was the the Jewish pool. So there's a lot of symbolism there of him being restored to the, his Jewish mm. community, uh, back back in yeah. the, in the fold of of life. And so he washes, and yeah, and he can see. And then people are like, "Well, this isn't really him." So this big debate happens. It started with a debate of his own posse, Jesus's posse, asking, "Well, who sinned?" They they assumed somebody sinned because that was kind of the prevailing belief that if someone oh, was if born, born with a yeah disability, and you know, and I I still know Christians that gaslight that see each thing, other with yeah that. Oh, yeah absolutely yeah. it's it's one of the most yeah. evil things that happens it's, in the church really it's crazy to yeah and new agers do it too yeah, every, they, yeah everyone does it but gaslight it's, it's, the, the it's disabled so, the differently it's, abled it's so crazy it's awful it's horrible um and so anyway so yeah so they said somebody must have sinned did he sin did his parents sin and jesus is like no neither uh and so uh and so, yeah, so then a, a great debate. The Pharisees get involved, and, and then they have to get his parents. His parents are afraid mm -hmm. to basically claim their own kid. Right. And and, yeah, uh, and so finally the guy gets kicked out of the synagogue. He was already kicked out, right. and he got kicked out again and uh, because he's a disciple. of Je And he accused them of being followers of Jesus. He's like, well, why are you asking me so much? He um, accused the parents? The Pharisees are are questioning him in the text, and then and then uh, and then the blind guy goes, "Well, why are you asking me so many questions? Are you wanting to be a follower of him too?" Oh. And they're like, "What?" the? And they picked him up and threw him out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, which is kind of funny because I had a conversation years ago with a a right wing evangelical, and he's very upset that I had said some things about gay marriage in the affirmative. Right, you were okay and, with it, <laughs> and he was just very God scandalized by that, and he was very passionately. Talking to me, wasting my time, and uh, and finally I said, "Are you are you gay?" <laughs> and he was like, "No, no." I'm, I was like, "Then why do you give a shit? Why do why are you even? Why are you so upset about this? You know, are you closeted? You know." Uh, so anyway, there's a whole Norm Macdonald bit you could do there. Uh, so anyway, yeah, and and so that's the story, and so it's this idea of seeing and not seeing the consequences of seeing. This guy lost his. Yeah, had already lost his community because of superstition and then gains his his community back and then uh hold on just a second. Can you back up a little bit? And then he uh is All that right. better? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then the consequences of seeing and he didn't ask to be healed. Right. He wasn't like, yeah. Hey Jesus, come give me yeah, the eyeballs. It's, it's kind of a, in some ways, you know, when God blesses you, it's kind of a dick move it on can, God's it can, part. It can boomerang. Uh, yeah, he's got a coyote 
trickster way about him. So it cost this guy. Right. What was he going to do with the rest of his life now that he could see? Uh, he, had a, he had a good he had, gig going, he the, you know? The change can go, go Yeah, he'd go shower at his parents and, uh, you know, get some hot pockets, go back to the to the fountain and beg. And, and, you know, he, and then now all of a sudden he's got to start a whole new lifestyle because <laughs> he sees now. So. And is still and is still thrown out of the temple, out of the synagogue. Yeah, he loses his community. <laughs> I mean, I suppose he gained another one. Yeah. Uh, but, Yeah. So there we are, the consequences of seeing. So I guess the, the, yeah, I don't even know where a good place to start is to like start unpacking that because there's, there's so much in that, but um, maybe this idea of so one I, one of the things I remember that they were debating is that it happened on the Sabbath. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like that's one of the first like, oh, yeah, who's who's working on the Sabbath? Who's yeah, guilty of that? The, yeah. And so maybe we could start with that of like, um, if from and the, obviously this is just your observations and opinion, but why are people so in the face of a miracle? People and and I think this goes across the board still want to be so legalistic about stuff yeah. at times. And and maybe from your, you know, your days of being in the church. And, and I know, you know, we've talked about it on here and, you know, you might want to relate some other ones, but, you know, I know you've witnessed miracles yeah. in, in your, in your day, you know, being, being on this path. Um, but yeah, what, is, what is that sort of uh, uh, instinct of people wanting to like, well, he can see, but they did it today. Why did he wait yeah. till tomorrow? <laughs> no, it's got to be the right people, the people that, you know, that agree with me. And so if it's the wrong people, mm. so. Because uh, Jesus was looked at as the wrong people, right? Yeah, he was the wrong person, yeah. During during his day. Yeah, he comes age. from nowhere. Yeah. He's not in any rabbinical line. Mm. He's, uh, you know, so he's. He, he's a wanderer. He's a wanderer. He's not married. A middle age, you know, thirty-something Jewish guy, not married with ten kids in Palestine in, in the first right. century. Something's wrong. Who's this weirdo? <laughs> that sets off all kinds of red flags. Uh, in in a modern evangelical church, a guy with his demographics wouldn't even be allowed to do a Sunday school class or be around mm. fifth grade class. Uh, so, uh, or maybe he would. I don't know. Depending on. Never mind. But uh, hey yo. So yeah. So there's. So there's that. Uh, a good example would be, you know, it shocked. One of the things that shocked me as a teenager, but I, I just kind of turned a blind eye to it for many years, was that uh, in in the evangelical church, at least the one I was in, and the media that I consumed mm. in that industry, right? Meaning AM radio mm. and books, Christian bookstores, that kind of stuff. They de-emphasized, if not ignored, uh, people like Martin Luther King Jr. Mm. And when you would press them on it, they would say, "Well, he he committed adultery." So he's mm. the, but the reality is he was the wrong guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, yeah. and it and it and the emphasis. Uh, well, because if you push back, like you know, Malcolm X didn't do adultery or like these other things. Yeah. Like, well, he's Muslim. Yeah, he was a Muslim. <laughs> exactly. So, and he was violent. Like, oh, oh, but oh. Martin Luther King Jr. wasn't violent. Oh yeah, but he, <laughs> he was, he had sex with other women. And then, and then when they would talk about someone like Jimmy Swagger, this is someone they agree with, right? Uh, and he gets up on TV in 1987, yeah. 80, I have sinned with his tears and all that yeah. to get restored. Uh, they, they, who are you to cast the first stone? You need to forgive it. Really? So so what's going well, on? But what about there? with the Martin Luther King thing? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so the reality is they were using personal holiness messages to distract from social justice mm -hmm. and and the the racism in the church, mm -hmm. you know. And so that's so that's kind of I think what it's more what's, of a what's team at play here. A yeah. team and a tribe yeah, mentality yeah, exactly. more than the legalistic it's not side. On our it. team, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um so there's that. And then, you know, on a personal level, so my my default operating system, for lack of a better word, is is critical thinking. Mm. Like when I'm going day to day by day in my life, I use critical thinking more than any other kind of thinking, right? Maybe creative thinking, 
but most of the time it's critical thinking. So, so when I see something out of the ordinary, like a miracle or, or a vision or something supernatural, like, uh, yeah, it definitely throws me off balance. Mm. And so, you know, so I, I can relate to certain characters in movies and literature, you know, like, uh, agent Scully, Mm. (laughs) X-Files, uh, or more or the patron, the patron saint of <laughs> aliens. Yeah, and she, you know, she's seen <laughs> extra. She's been abducted herself, and then what is it? The fiftieth season, and she's still doubting everything Mulder says. <laughs> right. You know, uh, I can relate to that. You know, right? So, so yeah. So I think there's some of that too. We feel safe when when we have the world figured out, and then you know, and then a miracle comes and disrupts that, mm. and so it's it can be unsettling on a personal level. So, yeah. So, and, and to go kind of with this idea of, um, cause obviously these parables are, are set up for a reason. Right. And so in com- the conversation of it, like Jesus knew what he was doing, healing someone on the Sabbath, right? Like that's built into, yeah. to what he was doing. And so maybe from that perspective, um, you can kind of break down that, that idea of like, he is the outsider, right? Like the Pharisees and, and those already see him as the outsider. So yeah. then he, he continues this sort of trickster move of, of doing these things yeah. to, you know, to poke them, well, to poke them in the eye. Hey, Oh, <laughs> <laughs> <Throw But mud, laughs> here's mud in your eye. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, so maybe you could break down that a little bit of like this idea of, of, of the divine interceding, outside of the the times we see you know it's, yeah it's sort of on the way we say it in recovery it's on god's time and not on our time right and sort of that yeah. that uh, simplistic look at it but yeah. but it's still something right and, and i am of the camp in disclosure that i tend to believe jesus in a literal sense was mm-hmm. a miracle worker a right. healer yeah. I, I believe that and so uh, well, it, it's, if someone doesn't believe that, I don't hold that against them either. I just, right. I'm just in, that's the line of thinking I'm in. Well, and if you sit with the gospels for long, well, not even sit with them, just read through them. Yeah. Numerous healings, numerous, right? Like yeah, whether yeah. it's, it's, it's healings like this or, you know, casting out a demon out of someone or, you know what I mean? Like it just, they just continue yeah. to happen and, and, um, in very beautiful ways too. Yeah. So, and in John's gospel, these are called signs mm. more than miracles. There are seven signs in the, in the gospel of John. Traditionally, they say the, these are the seven signs, seven being the number of completion that proves that he's the Messiah and the son of God and mm. God himself. Uh, I don't know if you could use them for that because nowadays we're so far removed and it's kind of, you know, but I will say this, a sign can go on forever mm-hmm. in its meaning and so in this case, making the mud definitely becomes a deeper meaning than just a, a healing on a Sabbath day just to, you know, shake it to the man, so to speak. So, you know, because so, you have Genesis and in the Hebrew tradition, the creator uh, picks up mud mm, and creates a right. human, which humus is mud, literally means earth okay. or mud. Humility comes from that word to be of the earth, to be people of the earth. Blessed are the meek, they'll inherit the earth, that mm. kind of. So humility, humus, a human. And, and so this human is created out of mud. Uh, and so so this is a restoration of that humanity, right? Okay, right. Of, of being able to see and to gaze upon the face of the creator, to see beyond, uh, you know, what was lost and and so yeah, so there's so it's a sign is what we're we're talking about here. Well, I think part part of that restoration too is, I mean, we already know how the story plays out because we talked about it, but also being restored to his community. Yeah, yeah. Because he, he was uh, he was seen as an outsider, right? Kind of. Yeah. I, I think maybe you could talk about that too, uh, a little bit more about the not recognizing him. And sort of the significance yeah. of that, of him being on the fringes of um, of that community. And once again, Jesus using, or, you know, that yeah. might be the wrong word, but but these beautiful divine moments 
with people on the fringe of what, uh, you know, the fringe of society is, yeah. is, is how we would articulate it today, right? Yeah, and that's the point of almost all of his miracles mm-hmm. is restoring people to community. Mm-hmm. Uh, he reaches out to the, to the ones who've been dislocated, dispossessed. The, these are the ones, you know, and, and, it's, and it's still the case. And so, um, and so yeah, so I, I see it even, uh, if you back up, you can see it uh, as this man is, this man born from, blind from birth, is humanity itself, is the cosmos itself, separated out of the community of the perichoresis, the father, mm-hmm. son, and spirit, the dancing, singing, eternal circle of the divine, uh, and restoring the cosmos, restoring humanity back into that circle. Uh, so that that's kind of the, the way I read things now in that a broader sense, you know. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I don't know if I... No, yeah. Um, and then I don't remember. We talked about this, but sort of the um, I think it was Birgit on Sunday talked about um, the the man's uh, when he presses them on, like, "Oh, are you trying to be?" A disciple of Jesus, you know, he kind of pushes back to this this yeah. line of inquiry, um, and and I don't remember her. Just the fact, the the braveness in that, I think, is what she was she was talking about. Do you remember? Oh yeah, yeah. Do you remember exactly how she articulated that? Yeah, because here was a guy that was a beggar, you know, homeless, and yeah, and then these these religious authorities are pushing on him, and he has the bravery and the, and the ganas, as we say, to, yeah. to push back and say, you know, kind of make fun of them, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And then we talk about the power of, I think she mentioned that. Yeah. The power of laughter, the power of, mm-hmm. of, uh, you know, when you've been dispossessed, I think I mentioned, Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah this, yeah. this poet musician in Ireland, uh, Glenn Harnford, I believe is his name. Mm-hmm. But anyway, he he said uh, on this U2 documentary with David Letterman recently, he said, uh, you know, the victors and the oppressors, the colonizers, they get to write the history because they're the winners of history, Mm -hmm. right? But the oppressed and the colonized and the victims of history get to write the songs. Mm -hmm. And then he goes into a litany of different people groups Mm-hmm. Like the Africans have rhythms in their bones. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and then he goes, you know, the Irish and the whole, you know, the, that whole thing. Uh, and so it's the same thing with laughter and being able to just kind of laugh at authority. Once you've been dispossessed and you've lost everything, then you could just kind of, you know, what are they going to do right. to you? you know? <laughs> already in jail. <laughs> yeah. So, so if you're a political prisoner, you could laugh and tell all the jokes and make fun of the dictator uh, while the guards on the other side of the bars cannot. So who's really in prison at that point, right? And so that's kind of the, his position. Yeah. Is a, is a, he's in that. It's, it's, the, it's the consequences of seeing. And well, so. And I think too, uh, you know, we've talked about a lot on, on this show, but just. <laughs> I show. <laughs> the, <laughs> the beauty of like, you know, the, the group of people that have, you know, usually you and I are talking about comedy, right? Because that's, yeah, you know, we, you and I connect on that level on, on many different things, but you know, the beautiful art comes from that, right? Whether it's poetry, music, comedy, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like you can, you can just see it throughout, throughout human history that the, the dispossessed and the, the, the persecuted um, are the ones that, that eventually create that, yeah. amazing stuff you know um so with all all this build up and and talk around um the gospel uh you you had also brought up a reading um by any it's annie dillard right yeah yeah mm. um so i don't know if you want to to read that um or introduce it and then yeah read it yeah so that so like i said on the broader sense <clears throat> there's humanity being restored its sight to gaze upon the face of God and, and seeing in order to gaze 
to, to receive the gaze of God back as well. Mm. So there's that beautiful exchange. But then on a personal level, there's this idea of learning to see for the first time again. We all, that's, that's a spiritual awakening. That's a creative awakening. Whether you believe in God or not, there's this, this idea of, of learning to see things differently uh, than you have. And so Annie Dillard, yeah, wrote a, a, probably one of the greatest American books. It's not a novel. It's, it's a, it, it's, it's probably the sequel to Henry David Thoreau's Walden. Mm. Uh, so she spent, I think, a year at uh, Tinker Creek, which is in uh, Virginia, mm. uh, in the Blue Ridge Mountains. Uh, and so she, and so she, in her, I believe it's the second chapter of her book, The Pilgrim at Tinker Creek. It's an American classic. It, it really doesn't get the, the props it deserves. The, the, it's it's one of the, the yeah. Shout outs it it's deserves. one of the greatest American books. Right. It really is. And and uh and then I believe it's the second chapter. She talks about this two ways of seeing. One way is by holding on. It's a way of the way that you try to possess and mm. control and to hold Main, on. Maintain. Which is the religious thing we just were talking about. Yeah. 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 Uh and then there's the way of seeing of letting go. Mm. And then she she cites a story uh a case study, you know, she wrote this in the 70s, so the case study was probably in the 60s of an operation that came into contemporary times to restore certain kinds of blindness. Mm. Uh, and and the difficulty, a lot of these, you know, particularly younger people, teenagers, you know, and children who got the operation they had never seen before. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden they, they have to learn how to see for the mm. first time. They don't know what anything is. How do you categorize right, anything? Yeah. <laughs> so, so you gotta. So she's well, trying to learn how to see that way. Well, especially as a teenager, because you've already experienced quite a bit of life, exactly, and have learned how to navigate the world. So it's a fascinating chapter, and um, and then so she she goes out to Tinker Creek in the Blue Ridge Mountains and tries to see for the first time, mm. and she writes about her experience of doing that, and. Uh, and so you want me to, it's a, yeah, it's a little so. bit, long, yeah. it's a little bit long, but it's, it's amazing. So no, it's at, <clears throat> we're about halfway through. So I think it's a good jumping off point for the okay. next half of this conversation. Let me see here. Um, yeah. Again, this comes from Annie Dillard's uh, Pilgrim at Tinker Creek. And so she, she's reminiscing and musing on the idea of seeing. And she says, The secret of seeing is then the pearl of great price. If I thought he could teach me to find it and keep it forever, I would stagger barefoot across a hundred deserts before any lunatic at all. But although the pearl may be found, it may not be sought. The literature of illumination reveals this above all. Although it comes to those who wait for it, it is always even to the most practiced and adept a gift and a total surprise. I cannot cause light. The most I can do is try to put myself in the path of its beam. It is possible in deep space to sail on solar wind. Light, be it particle or wave, has force. You rig a giant sail and go. The secret of seeing is to sail on solar wind. Hone and spread your spirit till you yourself are a sail. Wedded, translucent, broadside to the merest puff. And then the next paragraph. Uh, so she talks about a, a, a young woman, who, uh, a teenager who got her bandages taken off and she's mm-hmm. learning to see. And she experienced a tree with light shining through it. That was one of her first sights. And so she writes, When uh, the young woman's doctor took her bandages off and led her into the garden, the girl who was no longer blind saw, quote-unquote, the tree with lights in it. It was for this tree I searched through the peach orchards of summer, in the forest of fall, and down winter and spring for years. Then one day, I was walking along Tinker Creek and thinking about of nothing at all, and I saw the tree with the lights in it. I saw the backyard cedar where the morning doves roost charged and transfigured, each cell buzzing with flame. 
I stood on the grass with the lights in it, grass that was holy fire, utterly focused and utterly dreamed. It was less like seeing than like being for the first time seen, knocked breathless by a powerful glance. The flood of fire abated, but I'm still spending the power. Gradually, the lights went out in the cedar, the colors died, the cells unflamed and disappeared. I was still ringing. I had been my whole life a bell and never knew it until at that moment I was lifted and struck. I have since only very rarely seen the tree with the lights in it. The vision comes and goes, mostly goes, but I live for it, for the moment when the mountains open and a new light roars in spate through the crack and the mountains slam. So, I mean, you can't write any better oh, yeah, shit than amazing. that, right? <laughs> I believe that's what uh, literary critics call good shit. <laughs> well, it makes me think of, uh, like in our, our like sort of uh, stupid mammal brain, what we're trying to recreate with Christmas trees Oh, yeah. Like artificially recreate yeah. what she experienced. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, oh, look at tree with light in it. It's pretty. Yeah. But you know, to really experience that 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 moment in nature. Um Yeah, I think I think Disney has made billions of dollars off that. I think that's what they were trying to create mm-hmm. in their in their parks, right? This experience of light, but it's but it's all artificial. I don't think it's negates it. I, it's I know still ama- of, right. It's still an amazing yeah. experience. And I don't think they're trying to replace it or substitute yeah, yeah, it, yeah. but, uh, but I think that's what they're interesting. They're echoing, if you will. And, and I think that's what causes people to return to those parks over and over. Right. Apparently it's a big thing. Some it's people a, yeah, go it's like, a huge, it's a huge, huge endeavor for, you know, whether it's taking your kids for the first time or like, yeah. Um, the nostalgia of, of, uh, of going back as an adult or whatever. Like it, yeah. there's definitely, they've um, captured something. Yeah, exactly. That attracts people to go back. Yeah. Seeming, you know, some people, they go one time like, oh, okay, I, I did the Disney thing. But then there's other people that are, yeah. and you know, and, and it happens in the spiritual realm too, so to speak. <clears throat> We've talked about it yeah, on yeah. here, the Camino. When, yeah, pilgrimages, you know, gurus. You know, people people mountains. I met on the on the fucking Camino had been dozens of times. Yeah. Or a dozen yeah. times, maybe. There was a couple of people that had walked it dozens, but that's yeah. but there were definitely people there that had done it multiple times and there was they were trying to capture whatever they experienced that Before, first yeah, time. Yeah. You know, and sort of drug addicts sometimes call it chasing the dragon. Mm-hmm. You have that yeah, that yeah. first like experience with your drug of choice and it like alters something the chemicals in your brains fire off yeah. all at the same time and and so even drugs right i think drugs are even yeah trying absolutely. to a pseudo uh, you know what she writes what she articulates in that passage there's, yeah. there's a, a certain amount of that yeah and she wasn't on mushrooms and it wasn't that uh, an angel was inside of i mean in the celtic tradition we'd say yes that was an angel right because uh, there is no difference between the supernatural and the natural uh, and I'm I'm definitely in that school. So well, and it goes back to the conversation you and I have had a couple. We did a whole episode on it, but it, it's a reoccurring theme: uh, the thin places. Exactly. That's yeah. exactly what yeah. she was. That that moment that she, those lights were going off in that tree. Yeah. She was an inch away from heaven. Yeah, and everybody loves to talk about Thomas Merton's experience that he wrote about. I think on Mulberry Street or someplace in Knottsville. Tennessee or someplace. <laughs> they always talk about, there's a sign there. That's very far. Uh, that marks the moment when he was on the corner and he was in the present moment and experienced the, the oneness of everything. Mm. You know, but Annie Dillard describes it as at a gas station that she went to in greater detail mm. and, and more beautifully, but she doesn't get the credit that mm. Thomas Merton, oh, Mark did it. There's no plaque. <laughs> yeah. So it shows, you know, shows a lot about a lot of us, doesn't it? Um. And you know, so I I know you've you've had some experiences in nature, um, similar 
to this idea of, of experiencing a thin place um, during some of you know some of your walks out in the desert. So yeah. I, don't, I don't know if you want to talk about that a little bit because it, it I think it's a good right because she's she's talking about the beautiful trees and the forest right and and so um, but it can also happen in the context of the barren desert. It can happen you know in a parking I mean? lot. Yeah, yeah, I've seen. I've been just sitting there. I, I just off the top of my head, I was taking Anna as a teenager to a job interview. So I was waiting outside, you know, right. of, a, of a Dollar Tree. <laughs> <laughs> nice. And the way the the light post was the the shadow of the light post, you know, the big parking lot. Mm-hmm. Is it a lamp? What do you call those? Yeah, post. street. Well, it's not a street, street light. light. It's a parking lot. Parking lot, lot light. light. Yeah, nothing. But yeah, yeah. We get. <laughs> but the way that it looked, the the slant of the shadow on the concrete, and it there was just something eternal about that moment. Mm. And I sat there very still, and and just felt like I was touched by eternity, you know. Mm. And so I, I don't think you have to. I think that's the whole golf course industry. I think it's. Mm. I think this for these type A personnel because who would play golf? That's just the. It's awful. It looks. I mean, I. I confess I've never played it. It didn't, yeah. didn't have a dinosaur. Or well, a I think windmill. it's similar. I think but, golf and soccer are similar in that way. Yeah. Where it's like, yeah, it's I want to run around. to go outside. <laughs> run around on, on grass and, and kick, kick yeah. this round thing around. I think <laughs> the Scottish the invented it because they were drunk, right? Or something like that. <laughs> that and sounds so about golf right. And like, what do you want to do? so terrible. Like, try to, knock, try to knock that round thing into that hole over there. With what? I don't know. There's that stick over there. Use that. (laughs) But I think that's kind of what the draw really is, is that these type A business personalities, because they seem to be the ones that play golf, uh, to actually, it it gives them a reason to go out into Mm. nature, even though it's a safe place most of the time, unless you're in Florida. (laughs) There's like a a crocodile hunting you. I was going to say even, (laughs) but I didn't think of that part of it. I was like, even then the... In Florida, they're kind. Of, it's kind of sacred ground. Like you're allowed to be crazy in Florida, yeah. but not at the golf courses. Oh, I think, really? I think so. I feel like that's like that's they're their, like you can be crazy, but not on the golf don't courses. Don't touch the golf course. <laughs> yeah, and I th- I think that that morning, the you know because they usually play golf early in the morning, don't they? I yeah. Uh, who knows? That's, <laughs> it's an I all day they, event. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so the 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 sun shining on the grass mm. and the you know and. The dew, the dew on the grass, the birds waking up, and that kind of thing. I think that's what the experience is. I think a lot of um, well, and it's funny too because kind of continuing the golf theme, like any other sport, when you start getting into the like people that are really good with it, it's very much about staying in the moment. Yeah, and if you having if you have a bad shot the best of the best, they forget about it. Yeah. It's like, it's just on to the next shot. And you, to be able to cut that out of whatever you're doing and truly stay in the moment yeah. are, are the ones that end up excelling. So it's funny how there's like that, uh, what's it? Sort of the Zen of the motorcycle mechanic, yeah, you know, yeah. the Zen of the, of the, as, tig- as the Kevin, Tiger Woods. <laughs> as Kevin Nealon told Adam Sadler and Happy Gilmore, which is, the extent of my golf knowledge, by the way, Happy Gilmore is need, my reference. Yeah, that's all you need to know. Uh, he said, "Be the ball, be the ball." It's all. Anyways, yeah, we could quote, and we could Carl quote that Weathers movie. and Chubbs is one of the greatest characters of all time. <laughs> oh, they sorry. wouldn't let you play because you're black. Hell no, damn alligator bit my hand off. <laughs> Anyways, we could do that all afternoon. Got yourself so, a stew going. <laughs> um. So, so yeah, yeah so, 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 so what I'm saying is being you don't, in mature, nature, yeah, being being in the moment. So you don't have to go camping, is what I'm trying to say. You don't have to go become one of those assholes that that climbs Mount Everest. If you listen to this podcast and you climb Mount Everest, you're the exception. <laughs> David Morrison uh, <laughs> is very anti Mount Everest. <laughs> I mean, it seems like a special kind of psychopath does that, right? Uh, but anyway, uh, you don't you don't have to. To go find a guru in the Himalayas, uh, you don't have to to go. You can do this right where you're sitting is what I'm trying to say. In traffic, in your car. Right. Especially uh, in traffic. Yeah, often. Yeah. yeah. The divine presence is always or the, the stillness, the gift of stillness, the gift of this 
the numinous, I guess, the gift of the present moment is always present mm -hmm. to us. Uh, and like she said, uh, Annie Dillard, I can't cause the light, but I can put myself in, in, the, in the path of its beam. So you can do that anywhere is what I'm trying to say. And so, well, and I think, so two things came to mind. One was the, the Richard Rohr quote about um, sort of talking about this idea of grace versus works in the spiritual realm. Yeah, it's yeah. like, uh, if you, if you don't chase the wild ass, you're not going to catch it. Right. But the people that catch it are the ones that chase it. Yeah. You know what I mean? And sort of this juxtaposition of like, similar to what she was saying with the, with the light, right? Like, yeah. uh, you can't seek it, but if you don't go out there yeah. <laughs> and walk the forest, you're not going to see it. And so that was one of the things that came to mind, not only today, but on Sunday too. And then, uh, um, oh shoot, I lost, I lost the second thought of it. Anyways. Well, yeah, James Finley often, one of his repeated phrases is, you know, two lovers who experience oceanic love between each other can't cause that to happen, mm. but they can put themselves in a frame of mind where they're open for that to happen. And that's kind of the way it is with beauty, with creativity, with the divine, with love, all those things. And so, yeah, you can't necessarily cause it, which is what it becomes artificial, right? Then it mm -hmm. becomes mm -hmm. Disneyfied and uh, becomes industrious, right? Mm -hmm. Commercial. Uh, but you can put yourself in a place of openness. Mm -hmm. And that's what contemplation does. It, it trains you to become open. That's what community does because we're mammals. We, and so we give each other mutual encouragement. If I didn't know that someone was coming at noon to pray, I won't be as present mm -hmm. in that moment as you know, with someone either on zoom or with me. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, there's exceptions, but that's the case most of yeah, the time. Yeah, yeah. So, so that's where coming, or if I start, you know, experiencing the, the, the un, what Thomas Keating calls the, uh, the, the release of the unconscious. In other words, the, the garbage of my mind begins to surface because I'm being still, mm -hmm. you might start seeing some crazy mm -hmm. things. You might start experiencing some crazy things and you, so to have people around you that can be a voice of reason and say, mm -hmm. no, you just took some bad acid, bro. You know, <laughs> yeah. So talk, talk you off the cliff. Yeah. You're not one of the two witnesses mentioned in Revelation. <laughs> you're not. Dude, it's so many. It's amazing how many of the, how many, uh, it's like exponential over time. How many people have claimed to be those two witnesses? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or I'm an apostle of Jesus Christ now. And, well, who cares? Just go ahead and do the dishes and. Stop being an asshole to your family. Yeah, stop cutting Just, people let's start off. start there. Stop cutting people off in yeah. traffic. Put your damn cart away at the store. <laughs> um, I do I do remember this the second point, and it it kind of it kind of goes back to this idea of like hitting that uh hitting that that space, that thin space, or or seeing, you know, seeing the the shadow in the parking lot or the the you know the the colors the lights within the 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 frit the tree i'm yeah. choking out over here <laughs> but uh it's just allergies <laughs> the it was a podcast it was uh lex friedman and and this um neuro, neuroscience uh, oh. yeah he's he he's He's a podcaster. He's a uh, AI MIT oh, yeah, yeah, robotics yeah. guy. Steve Alvarez told me about him. Yes, 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 yes. And so he was talking to this neuroscience neuroscientist and and um, thinker, you know, sort of a thinker of our time named Sam Harris. And they were they got into this sort of from the science side of it. They were talking about living in a simulation, simulation, and blah, 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 right. you know, some some different aspects. One of the things Sam Harris was talking about is that it doesn't really matter. He said the simulation theory might be real, but it still doesn't change the fact that whatever has happened in the past no longer exists. And whatever is, um, oh, because they were talking about um, also this idea of multi-dimensions. Hmm. So like the every moment it splits off in infinite directions of right. like any possibility that could happen. Right. Um, so he says, even, even if that Sam Harris was saying, even if that's true, that, that time is constantly breaking off yeah. into infinite, he said, it doesn't matter because whatever timeline you're on, the past is already gone. 
can't change it. You're not going to rework it. Yeah. The future uh, within that, you don't know which timeline you're going to go down, right? You don't know right, which split right. you're going to go down. So it doesn't, that also doesn't matter. What matters is the present moment, right? And so like, yeah. you know, even, even if we, we were to prove that the simulation theory is real or, or we were able to prove that this multi timeline scenario is real, it's still, even for us in this moment, it still doesn't matter because it comes back to, you know, silence and service being yeah, in the moment. Exactly. And it was a very interesting, you know, cause, cause I've known that on a, um, a spiritual level, but to hear it on an intellectual level mm. was an interesting thing of like, okay. Yeah. And, and, you know, and he, he's, he's very much, um, you know, big time, Sam Harris specifically is, very pro meditation, you know what I mean? Like he, he's right, an advocate yeah. for all that. I think but he has an app and all that. Exactly. It, precisely. David Riefenberg is into his stuff. Precisely. So, um, so to sort of constantly coming back to these ideas, right? Like whether it's, you know, having that experience in the, in the forest, whether it's sitting and thinking about this on a rational level, yeah. whether it's having a spiritual experience at 12 years old, 12 years old having communion, yeah, you know, whatever it is, it's like, oh yeah, it's just all it is in my, so now this is my opinion. All it is, is just a reminder of, Hey, stupid, be present. Yeah. What? Oh, for what? Right now, right yeah, now. Been... But what about the guy who, who flipped me off yesterday? He's not here. You, now. You'll never see him again. Who gives a shit? <laughs> just send him a father's day card. <laughs> what about? Yeah, 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 yeah. And make sure it's an expensive, an $18 one. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> um no i'm talking about the guy at the farmer's market his wife selling 18 yeah, yeah, yeah. he's not gonna hear that um well what about the the task i need to do on thursday it's tuesday come back to right now it's yeah. it's 209 p.m on a tuesday what are you doing now exactly. you're having a conversation with david and it's like oh okay um and i from my opinion, you can speak on this too, but I feel like that's that's my task for the rest of my life, to continue getting yeah. those reminders to stay. Yeah, to show up. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it sounds so simple. But it's but not. No, yeah. To simply be present. Yeah. Um. So we still got some... I, is there anything else, whether it's the parable or... Um, Annie's passage about, you know, this, this, uh, I think she phrased it being able to see again by letting go, um, that's sort of on your heart and mind that, uh, as we, as we start to land the plane, as we descend into the landing strip. Yeah. I mean, the way she says it, it still gives me power, even though I, you know, the, the, the sun went down, the, the colors aren't in the tree anymore, but I still live in its power. That, that's kind of what happens. You get this recharge mm. and then you can live off of that for on recollection for years. Mm. And then boom, it'll happen again, you know, mm. that kind of thing. And then you can learn how to do it in small ways all day long. And I'm a big proponent of that. Small, small glimpses of the thin space mm -hmm. all day long. Uh, and you just kind of, you're just generated that way, you know, eventually. And so. Well, I think comparing herself to a bell. Yeah. That, and she didn't know she was a bell until she was lifted and struck. What a, well, that's pure poetry right there. Because that, that that's something as sort of the second, since you've read that, that I've kind of been thinking about is like, okay, what time? And And I would, you know, I would phrase it like a spiritual experience, right? Um, you can, you know, everyone's going to, you know, going to use a little bit different terminology, but for me, it's like this idea of a spiritual experience. And it's like sort of that first time being wrong and, and seeing it. And then subsequently, so now I know I'm a bell, but I, for whatever reason, I can't just ring it myself. Right. Like I can't just hit a button yeah. and just, and, and so then, you know, so then there's these gaps where you're like, you're flying high off of that, the initial ringing or whatever. And then like you're saying, these reverberations, yeah. These second, second, 
not even secondary, but just different ones yeah. pop into your life. And it's just like, oh, that's a new, that's a new sound. That's a new, um, a new vibration. And, and just being able to sort of uh, catch those or not even catch them, just be present for them. Right. Whether it lasts two seconds or, you know, maybe two days, you know, yeah. or, or whatever it might be. The initial, you know, the initial ringing of it, because then it, verbal, and actually, I spoke about this on Friday, but in my drinking days, so if you think of like the pot, like a pond of life, like there's a pond and it, it represents all of life. When I was drinking, I would throw rocks in that pond, but they were, they were hundred percent chaos. And each ripple, you don't know when you throw something in water, you don't know how far it's going to ripple out, yeah. you know, and it wasn't until I got sober that I learned like, Hey man, when you're, when you do something that, yeah, it might affect the person, one person removed from you, but you don't know if it's going to re- affect people around them that you don't yeah, even know. You know, exactly. I had some really tough things as getting sober, learning that like, Oh shit, like that rippled way far, way farther than I could have ever imagined. Yeah. And so now, and not to make up for those chaos ripples, right? I can't make up for those. It's done, right. right? It's in the past. I I can attempt to. I can go back and say, hey, I'm sorry. But like if it had to do with time, you can't give someone back right. time, right? You've I already... mean, things have a way of circling back, but yeah. yeah. Exactly. So today my mindset tries to be throwing like the good shit into, you know. So if we think about like mm. service, right? Like throwing a little, a pebble of service to one person I, I encounter. I don't know how that will ripple out to people they don't know. Yeah. Right. And so exactly. like trying to shift gears in my life, like I can't take back what I did, but I can, I can change my mo like what I do in this moment. Like we're talking about is like, yeah. am I going to throw the chaos rock? Cause that in my brain, that's still like, that's fun. Yeah, <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Like, Oh, I get to fuck with someone. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. But when I let go of the rock, I don't feel good anymore. Right. But then when I like, whether it's like service or trying to make someone smile or just listening, yeah, you know, shut the fuck up. And if someone's going through something, just listening to what they're going through, um, because it's the same pond of life. Yeah. But I would, I would, um, hope that my, the ripple effect, um, can just sort of pass that, that good shit as you, as, you, as the literary <laughs> critics say, as the spiritual gurus say, put as, some good shit in that as pond. The literary snobs <laughs> of the upper echelon say, Anyways, I don't know if you have anything to add to that. No, I mean, just in the Christian tradition, you know, it's it's based, you know, the thinking of this idea of the consequences of seeing. Mm. Uh, in the Christian tradition, you know, there's a, there's a phrase that Paul the Apostle uses in his letter to the Corinthians, and he says, you know, to, to behold the beauty of God in the face of Christ Jesus. Mm. And so that's a very threatening thing, because where is where do we behold the beauty? You know, we'd like to think of that as being in nature and in these beautiful moments, but no, where Christ is mostly is with the marginalized, the place, the faces that we don't want to look at, uh, the things that upset our, our sense of stability, the upset our cultural leanings. Uh, the, so, so the, the beauty of God in the face of Christ Jesus is in the Christian tradition is found in the addicted, mm-hmm. The drunks, the 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 most vulnerable, the sick, the poor, uh, things that we don't really want to look at every day, all the time, and, and let alone engage with and be a part of, uh, and so that's that's the consequences of of seeing, you know. So it's Francis of Assisi exchanging his clothes mm, right. with the leper, and then eventually got to the point where he kissed the leper. You know, and, and there were consequences, you know. Uh, he he died pretty young. I think he was 42 years old and he died of many different diseases that right. he probably caught from from his interactions like yeah. that. So, and it was the Middle Ages. Yeah. So, that People too. didn't have long life expectancy. <laughs> but, but his contemporary, St. Dominic, saw that and he was like, yeah, note to self. Maybe it'd be better if I stick around just, a little longer. Just, just stay in the castle. <laughs> Which he, yeah. And so, I mean, they were preachers too, but they, yeah, they were a little bit more 
looking for more sustainability and a long-term plan. Whereas well, Francis was no, jump into the fire, mm -hmm. become all flame and flame out. Well, I think that's an important part to to point out is that so not, you know, not just these famous things that we can point to, right? Yeah. But everyone's calling is different, right? So yeah, not, yeah, yeah. Not no one else should be Francis. Francis was Francis, right? right. So we can take inspiration, we can take uh, you know, notes, whatever. Um yeah. Dominic. Once again, yeah. that was that was, you know, and so once again, going back to this idea of of um silence and service, like you gotta you gotta introspectively do the work and experience that transformation for you. Yeah. And then figure out what what your, you know, don't everyone's life is different, everyone's spiritual path is different. And I, I think it's important yeah. to point out, like, um, yeah, you know, we love to point to Mother Teresa. And, and the way she lived, but it's like, that's not for everybody. No, take the next step that's yours to take. Yeah. You know, and so, you know, yeah. whether that's, you know, uh, whatever, picking, picking the kids up at school, yeah. um, you know, maybe, you know, if you, you know, give someone a couple bucks when you walk by them and, and they're, you know, they're asking for help, whatever, you know, yeah. tending a garden. <clears throat> yeah. Whatever, whatever it is in that moment, it doesn't, uh, it doesn't have to be, what everyone else is telling you it has yeah, to be. Exactly. It's it's this, but it's that's tough too because it also takes the internal work to be able to to be honest with yourself of like what is mine to do. Um, yeah, exactly. And it's not none of this is easy. That's where community stress. and contemplation come in and become tools for you to to discern those kinds of things. You know. Well, I mean, especially for me with community, you know. I know you and I have had conversations and just other people in my life of like, I can bounce stuff off of you. Yeah. You know, exactly. and sometimes you're like, man, that doesn't, that doesn't seem like it aligns with who I know you to be. And yeah. that doesn't mean I'm going to not do it, but it's no, good. But something else of it. Yeah. It's good to have someone else's perspective of, um, or even, you know, the conversation we had earlier today about the humanities and you, you know, explaining some shit. And as you were saying, it's like, oh yeah, that kind of rings true more so than this other thing over here. You know what I mean? And so, yeah. Which and I wouldn't have had that moment had I not been vulnerable and opened up about something, right? Yeah. And so, um, if you have those people in your life, like utilize them, be grateful for them. Community is is fucking beautiful. Um, and if you feel like you don't have that in your life today, like cultivate it. Look for people that are on a similar path and and just see what happens. It's 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 a wild ride, baby. You good? Yeah, that was good. You have anything else? No, I don't think so. Sweet, we're ready. We solved all the problems. All of them, baby, and it's and it's recorded. More importantly, it's recorded. <laughs> we can we, we can put it on the internet. <laughs> uh, thank you, uh, Danny West. He does all the editing and sound engineering. Uh, thank you, Mr. Jacob Nedia. He is monk drums. That's what you hear in the background. Uh, thank you, Mr. David Morrison. Thank you, Mr. Mason. I appreciate you, brother. Uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. A couple quick plugs. Uh, dreamwalkerway.com uh, to pick up one of David's book or, or to pick up David's book. <laughs> We're getting ahead um, of ourselves. Desolate, yeah, Desolate Beauty. We are in conversations about uh, future projects, so that should be on the horizon in the next uh, yeah. several weeks and months. Uh, we do, there is a Kindle edition out by the time this is released. Um, so please go and purchase that if you have a Kindle. Uh, support the evil corporation Amazon support the beautiful corporation Amazon <laughs> <laughs> Jeff Bezos we like sponsorship um, there is a YouTube channel dream walker way is the name of the channel uh, when this is released all five of the American Sign Language uh, translations of Desolate Beauty will be out on there and I think We'll be posting some, what would you call them, David? Some reflections? Yeah, mini reflections. Mini reflections uh, in the, the five to 10 minute range. We're, if there, if we haven't posted any by this time, they, that is something that's on the horizon with, uh, with all our other projects. Um, what am I forgetting? I think we're good. I think we're good, yeah. Follow David Morrison and I on, on the Instagram if you would like post updates there pretty regularly 
yeah, just thank you. Thank you everyone for your support over the last uh, two and a half years. So uh, signing off for Dream, or not Dreamwalk. Well, yeah, Dreamwalk away, but Desert Rain Community Radio, Dispatches from the Verge. Good night now. <laughs>